Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey, Heal Squad. No, it's not Maria Menounos. It's Mr. Maria Menounos coming to you today. Uh, Great two-part interview with Dr. Shafali, uh, author of many best-selling books, and a new one on parenting that uh, really moved me as a, an aspiring parent, but I think it's also going to move you as well, inform you, inform you, as we say in Boston, and educate you. Um, his, this, she had many, many great quotes, by the way, in these interviews, but I'll share one. Love without consciousness becomes need and dependency, and instead it becomes control in the name of love. So you just have to sit on that, Kelsey Alexandra Meyer. Dang, her quotes always hit. You're like, man. Yeah. Well, there's a, yeah, love. I think so much without consciousness. And consciousness has been around a long, long time. But I think to a select very, very small group of people, but greater need for it with the, the greater the technology. Truly. And the things that have been going on, you know, in our world. Um you know, there's a great, you know, she opens her, it's interesting. She's a, she describes herself as, um, as a, a, a Western psychologist who implements Eastern philosophies, mm-hmm. which I love because, you know, I heard from practitioners that I trust say when it comes to mental and physical health care, East meets West is best. So I love that she applies both, but she also is creative. So a lot of the um, chapters open with these poems and these little proverbs she writes. And so um, I want to share one uh, and hopefully we'll whet your appetite. (laughs) The bond with your children is like no other. It will do both give you superpowers and break your heart at the same time. It will both expand you to an infinite limitlessness and crush you to a pulp of nothingness at the same time. It will ignite and inspire your creativity and imagination and destroy your fantasies and dreams at the same time. 
It will be your soul's biggest teacher and transformer and your ego's ultimate nemesis and detonator at the same time. It is here to enliven and elevate you to the greatest heights and yank and humble you to your lowest levels. Only this bond has these powers, and it's only it's the only bond for which you will allow this degree of powerlessness. So I have to say I sent that to my mom and she goes, Yep, that's true. <laughs> I think yeah. I I think he has said enough. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, we go into part one of uh, a very in-depth interview. Uh, I jumped around a little bit, forgive me, but um, when I went down the rabbit hole of the her books and the other books she's written, not just the ones she's promoting in these interviews, I don't know, just <laughs> I needed all the answers. So anyway, uh, this is what you get when you get the backup quarterback, people. I'm not the starter. All I have to do is keep us 500. If you're a Patriots fan, you know. That's all they had to do. They had four games without Tom Brady. They just had to play 500 ball to win the Super Bowl. So, okay, so we just have to, we just have to, you know, win as many as we lose. With that, Kelsey Alexander Meyer, let's go to the interview with Dr. Shafali. Okay, so Dr. Shafali, as I was saying as we were getting warmed up here, um, we are going to talk about your book, The Parenting Map. And this, for me, is I'm an aspiring parent, soon to be, I hope. Um, I found the book very helpful and I, and I, I just want to say, even whatever we go over today in this book, I do want to tell everyone that, um, no matter what you get from the book, there's nothing like having the actual physical book with you because this is going to be a great, yes, it's a great reference tool to continually refer to because even for me going through the book and someone who's about to be a dad, I'm hoping Great stuff, but I'm going to need to go back to this to continue further to it. And, you know, for me, I'm deprogramming 50 some odd years of how we were taught to do what we do. Anyway, we'll, we'll, before we get into the book and I, this, the other thing I was saying to you is like just going through all your interviews, you made Oprah Winfrey cry. Hello. <laughs> Today's Oprah cry, you know, um, and you just had so many different fascinating statements that you dropped and I kind of I want to pursue some of them before we get into the parenting book if it's okay with you okay so I'll even want to read some quotes to you and then maybe you can we can play off them a little bit um our minds are good at self-preservation we are good at indulgence um and self-comfort when the consciousness quotient is what we really need Right. So, you know, we're, we are always wired to survive and to find that place where we feel, you know, is the most homeostatic comfort. You know, we're wired to do that. That makes sense. But what we need in today's world, because there is so much material indulgence, is to be very careful because we're not pushing ourselves. We're not really taking as many risks as say our ancestors took. So now, because we're physically so comfortable, we kind of can get into this lull of mental stagnation and not evolve and not grow. And uh, consciousness is really now our most prized commodity 
to allow ourselves to evolve. We don't have to, you know, make the shelter and get out of the rain and fight the saber tooth, you know, and animals or the, or the mammoths. We, we are comfortable physically. So now we need to find ourselves pushing ourselves emotionally so we can keep growing and evolving. And especially as parents, because our children are evolving in front of our eyes, we cannot dare to remain stagnant. We have to keep evolving. And that's what conscious parenting is about, that the parent needs to parent themselves and evolve as much, if not more, than their children are. But I even think, even if you're not going to be a parent, I think that what you're saying just speaks to everybody in general. You know, I don't think you have to be a parent, let's say, to to be fulfilled in this world. But certainly, I think all of us need to get back to consciousness. And I'm guilty. I'm a massive consumer. And I, 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 I trust that I am. But I think you're right. And it just seems like everything is so much easier than it was years past. What do you think it's done to us as a people? The fact that we don't have to hunt and gather and survive, especially I, in this I, country. Yes. And not only do we not have to hunt and gather and survive, we've gone the other extreme where we are phenomenally overindulged and overentitled. And now we cannot even tolerate a little bit of anxiety. And I, and I know I'm speaking in broad extreme terms. Yes, of course. No, of course. But for the most part, what I'm seeing in my clinical practice is an increased intolerance for in, for discomfort, for anxiety. So because everything's on our fingertips and every app and every Uber and everything's coming on our, to our doorstep, literally into our homes, we don't have to even venture forth and deal with the traffic and deal with the waiting in line that now our tolerance for anxiety, for discomfort, for hard work, for, for sweating, for, for sitting in that unknown is becoming so, our intolerance is so, so, so high. And that's why mental health uh, crisis is on the rise. And our kids are suffering from great anxiety about being anxious. You know, the other day I was with a young adult and I had to teach him it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to not love every part of yourself. It's okay you're not perfect because technology is giving us this illusion that we can fix every problem now in our lives from our earlobes to our ankles, literally and metaphorically, that now we are not able to embrace imperfection, embrace, you know, uh, just the ordinary, embrace the average it, these are anathema now to us, and it's grossly undermining our mental well-being because life is imperfect. We are terribly flawed and limited, and as we should be, we should not be reaching the zenith of perfection. That is an illusion, but we're chasing it, and that's what is so dangerous now. Isn't it an irony that all of the technology and provisions is to make our life less stressed but then it's creating more stress yes. and anxiety. It is the most perfect paradox of them all. Because, but, but we have to understand the relentless 
craving to make life perfect means we are already troubled. There's something fundamentally delusional <laughs> about us that we think we, we are so audacious, so arrogant to think that we must make life perfect. That is insanity in and of itself. Were, were we, Dr. Shafali, were we always like this? As, do you think, at least in the last 200 years when we can have more uh, access to history and records? I mean, do you think we were always like this? I think we, we were not always like this, but we were trending toward it and we didn't have the stop button. And the last 30 years have taken us over the precipice into the abyss because there's no stop button now. I mean, we do not need to have every version of every new thing all the time. We are now on some, we're at the end of the other side of progress, which is now again, destruction, right? So it's endless cycles of destruction, progress, destruction, but now we are on the other side of progress. We were doing really good and we should have stopped like 15 years ago. We should have just pressed pause, but there's no pause button and there's no end to the oceans we will destruct and no end to the rainforests we will destroy and no end to the perfection we will seek in our own bodies and our own appearance. You're seeing it on social media now, this hunger, this insatiable craving to be seen. Do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? Is on some, uh, I mean, just some volcanic high and it needs to stop. And, and what it's doing is it's eroding present moment presence, present moment connection, direct eye contact, direct moment by moment, uh, deep bonding between humans. We're isolating ourselves. We can go to every part of the globe without leaving our home, but that's a problem because these are not two dimensional things. These are real life experiences we should push ourselves to have because the growth is in the travel. The growth is in the process. The growth is in the waiting and the, the, the working hard and, and, achieving something because of process, not because of flicking a button. So we're losing all this and we're teaching our children to lose all these milestones, which are key to their development. And we're eroding their sense of uh, esteem. Yesterday I was with my daughter and she was telling me how her friends, it's a culture now, she's 20 years old, to be on every pill possible. If you can't sleep, there's a pill. If you're not happy, there's a pill. If you yeah. need more attention, you can buy it. I mean, everything can be bought and swallowed but then we're losing out on the beauty of the process because that's where growth happens. I remember someone, you know, my mother-in-law, we were at a, a funeral service one time and the person who was experiencing the biggest loss was just a zombie. And she clearly was on some kind of pill or pills. And my mother-in-law said to me, she's a very wise old Greek lady, and she said, you know, this isn't good. She needs to be able to experience this. You know, she's sad. She needs, it's okay. She's sad. But her being like this, probably not so good. Right. So we are always seeking to bypass discomfort. Part of it is that wiring. You know, we do want to get out of the rain and not be attacked by the leopard. But now we've gone so far in that, that we are literally bypassing present moment experiences. And you don't see it as drastically and as extremely as the parenting process, which is why I write about it. And I talk about conscious parenting because without that bond, the conscious right. parent-child bond, you will have no other foundation 
for other relationships or even just existing. So we humans are also wired for social connection. We used to live in tribes and sing around the fireplace and not to be nostalgic around that, but there there was that element of deep social bonding that is getting seriously eroded And interpersonal connection is at an all-time low. It's declining because we're getting more ensconced in these virtual realities. And with our little smartphone and our little tablet, you know, before the TV was bad enough when you and I were growing up, right? We were addicted to the TV, but at least it was in the family room and everyone could see what you were doing and everyone could participate. And there was a pause button, right? It wasn't endless streaming all the time 24 7 and it wasn't isolating it was it was communal when you're on the go 24 7 like me guys finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity (laughs) and that's exactly what my friends at macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials it's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're gonna love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. So we're losing out on all this and our children are suffering. I can tell you in my practice, 
every every parent I have, off, one after the other, is talking about how do I manage my kid's screen addiction? How do I manage yeah. their confusion? How do I manage their anxiety and their suicidality? It's not just anxiety now. It's self-harm, self-loathing, self-hatred, suicidality. I have a friend who's a doctor who now can tell me the difference between a child that has access to a smartphone in blue light and one that doesn't. Wow. Yeah. It's just, blow, you know, blows my mind. Um, okay. Here's the one thing I see different with parenting that I actually think is a good thing is I see a lot of parents now, you know, they say it takes a village. I see a lot of parents now have become friends and they all kind of work together. I see, from what I'm seeing from as an outsider, purely, I, I confess, whereas, you know, my parents didn't really know my friend's parents. Maybe barely, if anything, you know, and now I see that they do. But I also when I hear the moms and the dads talking, uh, I feel like they're helping each other out a little bit. So I think just a little ray of hope, because, by the way, I'm with you. I I'm petrified where this is going. I say to the next generation, listen, my (laughs) my time's coming to an end. I'm going to get out of this okay. I feel for Kelsey's generation and under, I, I just say, guys, I, you know, where this is going is very scary. And when you're 50 or 60, if you make it there. Um, so I'm with you on that. But I am seeing, you know, at least parents are a little more involved. But are you seeing that or is that more of their just, unfortunately, the narcissism and the controlling, is it more about that and less about community? Yeah, I mean, there may be slivers of communities that are coming together in awareness that this is toxic for our children. But for the most part, you know, mainstream, I see greater social addi- social media addiction, greater isolation, and greater disconnection. You know, when, when I was raising my daughter, it was hard enough to be present. I had to train myself, and I meditated. I'm a psychologist. I didn't have social media in my back pocket and I was still having a hard time connecting with this little being and giving this little being all the emotional nourishment that they need. Children, human children need, you know, a lot of deep emotional connection and presence. And it was hard enough back then. I can only, you know, imagine uh, really, and it's it's quite a nightmare to imagine how today's young mom or dad finds the capacity to stay present when they are constantly being pulled by the social media on their phone, which is so addictive. I pick up my phone all the time. I'm I'm uncomfortable if my phone is in the other room. The moment I have a pause and I need to just sit, I pick up my phone. So if I'm doing that and you're doing that and we had full childhoods of free time, play time, restlessness, imagination, creativity, imagine what today's uh, millennial young mom would be doing or dad. So children will lose out because children need their pre- their parents to be present. That is a, an, a vital ingredient, a psychological ingredient of young children. So if they don't get that, then they are going to be lacking that and will go out into the world forever seeking that connection. I think I saw another interview you recommended with social media not allowing until they're 14. Yes, because the brain cannot take in all this information. The brain cannot process. And, you know, I was, quote unquote, lucky that in my generation, 
children got smartphones only. It only came out when my daughter was already 14. But let me tell you, the moment I gave it to her, she was swallowed. Like I did not see her again, so to speak. What, you know, what is it about? Is there some, have you looked into this, Dr. Shafali? Is there something in the technology where a one-year-old knows exactly what buttons to push? It's crazy. Have you seen, noticed this with, you know, yes. I've seen... They are amazing because, but but you have to understand these young children, right, under the age of five are watching the parents be so enamored by the screen, right? The parent mm -hmm. is laughing, the parent is fixated, the parent is ignoring the kid for <laughs> what is on the screen. So obviously that, you know, if you leave a cookie and, you, and you're eating your own cookies, but you leave the cookie on the table, the kid will come and take the cookie. This social media is that for the for the kid they're like what is that candy that my parents are eating all the time because it makes them so happy i want it and kids learn so fast they do they learn all behavior especially bad behavior so fast but they don't know it's bad because they're seeing that the parents love this so they want they would like give me some of that that looks fun yeah <laughs> no <yeah>. but <laughs> sorry to, wow um can you talk about how you've said before in interviews how narcissistic we are as a species and it does seem as though we really just came to the planet to pollute it i mean let's really let's face it yeah. right we're um but has the level of narcissism grown in the last couple of decades do you think or was it this is something we've always suffered from yes so you know i think because the human brain is is evolved to be so innovative and so quote unquote clever, it has mistaken that for being wise because we're not wise. So I just wanna say we're homo sapiens, not homo wise, okay? So um, I think in the last 10, 15 years, what we've seen is the vehicle for narcissism, which was always there to now come out full flare. Like, you know, and, and not to offend anyone, but we when when Trump came to office, we didn't know that there were so many people who were racist. We didn't know. So Trump provided that platform. Right. And, and I'm not getting into a debate about it. It just is what it is. So in the yeah, same cool. way, social media has provided the platform for narcissism to come out on full freaking display. I mean, it is on blast now. I mean, people are literally unable to have a meal or go for a haircut without posting it on social media. They need to be seen by freaking strangers. And the disease to please and the disease to be seen is is just now on this all-time time rampage. Uh, so it was always there, but I think now we've been given the platform. You know, the camera is with us 24-7, so now yeah. we can see ourselves 24-7 and show the world how we are. It's really sad. You know, before it was just grandma looking at your photo album and a few cousins, and yeah. you called it quits. But now we want to be seen by the world, and then we feel, uh, you know, uh, attached to other people's views, people who we don't know. So talk about the need for external validation. It was really bad enough just the way when we, when I were growing up, where the, where your friends, you know, sister said something and you came home and said, oh, you know, you know, if, you know, Beth's sister said something to me, mommy, but it was contained. And now it's like everybody's sister can say something about you. Mm -hmm. And then you're deeply impacted by it. You know, you're going to be a parent, hopefully, and, you're going to be horrified, so I'm just warning you. I mean, I, I, I've uh, I've had the pleasure of having about two thousand 
20 to 30 year olds work for me in the last decade. <laughs> and, um, and uh, I, I was, I'm already pretty horrified <laughs> by that. And it wasn't, and listen, it's not, was not, it's not their fault with it's, it's the parenting and we're going to go deep on that. Uh, you really helped me. Your book really helped me understand that a lot further. And I want to get deeper in that. But I, I was, I was going to say, like, you know, it's like, I feel like back in the day before social media and before technology, you know, a lot of the stuff that you'd spot out today, your opinions, it would happen at a water cooler at work. You know, so you'd go and you might bitch and moan to whatever your coworkers at the water cooler. And then you drive home. And if you were still upset, you might give someone the middle finger if they cut you off. And that was it. But today with social media now, it's beyond the water cooler. You you have now the ability to take that phone and you think go out to potentially go out to millions and millions and millions of people. And it's just something we can't resist. Um I and love also, this. And also the the anonymity is the is the part which is the cowardice because you're you're oh. you're hiding behind anonymity. So yeah, yeah. therefore you see the audacity, right? And the, the trolling that happens. The mask falls off, yeah. Because you're because you're anonymous, and that's just creating this cowardice that is really uh, insufferable. Because you should be able to either talk to the person directly or have no opinion in their lives. Simple. Uh, that's really the only two rules you should have. Do I know them? And if I don't know them, I need to stay out of it because I don't have the capacity to tell the person directly, and therefore, how dare I tell the person anything at all? And I, I just, it's just creating this generation of audacity and also people who don't have degrees are now experts and everyone's an expert right Every, everyone <laughs> Every, but but listen i don't even know if it's a generation i see people in their 50s and 60s uh, are, are engaging in all this oh it's not the young generation. yeah i think it's, it's just everybody generation. well let's all share the blame Yes, it's you and I, and, and it's our generation. And the, like I said, because we were narcissistic, we have been narcissistic, we have been, you know, ridiculously coward, cowardly, and now we're coming out. It's coming out. It's being seen. We just didn't have the way to do it. And the moment we did, we are participating more than the millennials. So we, we should take full responsibility, our generation. You know, we 100%. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, 100%, you know, it's funny. A couple other quotes, and then we're going to get to some, like, solutions to all this because she has that as well. Um, I, I love this one. Culture, our culture today has made us happy, hungry. Do you remember saying that? Sure. Can you speak to it? Yeah, it's this, um, again, this fragility with which we approach our world now that we must be happy. We must be catered to. We must be served to. Everything needs to be perfect. Our bodies cannot have cellulite or wrinkles or age or anything natural is now being shunned upon and degraded and derided. And similarly, with our life experience, we cannot tolerate any sort of mediocrity. Average is a bad word. God forbid your child is called average. My kid is average. I'm average. And I'm I'm because that's exactly who we're supposed to be. And even if you have some, you know, great talent to sing or to win an Olympic medal, that doesn't mean that we are still not average. Overall, we're all average human beings. And this unacceptance of that has created a culture of being hungry, starved, really, and uh, created actually a perversion for what should have been normal and natural, which is 
ordinary life experiences where you are allowed to be all sorts of feelings, not just craving this obsessive happiness. Yeah, you even said, you know, sometimes if we look at someone who, let's say, isn't in great shape uh, or is older and we're saying, oh, you know, they're, you're beautiful the way you are. You're even saying, like, that's even messy to be, you know, it is just let it just be what it is. Right. This toxic positivity, you know, oh, I have to say something about it. I have to say it's beautiful. I have to say it's amazing. Enough already. We're doing it out of some lack. We don't need to say anything, you know, um, and I give examples of, uh, you know, when young children comment on their parents' imperfections, the parent cannot just sit with it. We have to say, no, 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 you know, I am beautiful. I am this. Or, you know, I give a, a story in the book where my daughter talks about my underarms and, you know, how flabby they are and how I wanted to say, no, they're not flabby. They're beautiful. And then I shut up because I was like, OK, so what if they're flabby? It's okay to have flabby underarms for heaven's sake. If somebody says, you know, oh, you know, if a kid comes to a, a parent's face and says, mom, you have wrinkles. The other day, my daughter said, you have white hair. I wanted to defend. No, I don't. Yes, I do. It's okay. I don't need to say, oh, I have white hair and it's beautiful. I can just say I have white hair, period, or I have wrinkles, period. But this toxic need to overcompensate and call everything beautiful is that hungry, happy, uh, that, that hunger for happiness that I was talking about. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Um, this is another one. Talking about instant gratification, delayed gratification. And this was a great quote that today nothing is amazing anymore. Do you remember saying that? Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me yeah, more. Well, you said nothing is amazing anymore because of instant gratification. Oh, I see. I see. I see. We've lost the beauty. 100%. If you take uh, uh, this generation who's been exposed to everything online to uh, to Paris or to London, they would have seen it all already. So that that beauty of the arrival at the destination has been gone because that process has been robbed from us. We have already seen everything online. So arriving at the destination is no longer a, a stupendous experience because we've robbed children of that process. They've seen everything already online. They've been exposed to everything on social media. So now there's no more, you know, uh, anticipation and uh, excitement of the journey. Everyone just wants to, you know, arrive at, uh, just arrive there in a, in a picture perfect world without going through the process. 
And it's the process. I know it's cliche, right? But it's the journey and not the destination that what it's really more about. Correct. If our children are not waiting in line to eat at a restaurant and the restaurant arrives at their doorstep, so to speak, you actually rob them of the joy of that food. You think you've given it to them even faster, but you've actually taken down the beauty of it. I had a parent say this to me, too, you know, when we were talking about what his inherit their inheritance was going to be. And he said something to the effect of, you know, when I'm gone and I hope it's not for a long, long time, of course they're going to have what I have. But he's like, I don't want to clue them in onto it now. And I don't want to over provide them because I, and this was a great quote. He said, I don't want to rob them of their journey. Exactly. So that's what we are doing in this over coddling. We're robbing that. Right. So when you, when you're not waiting in line, for even for Disney, if you get the the passes that have you cut the whole line, right? It's a, I've never heard that before in that way, where you're actually hurting them, you're robbing them. You're not just spoiling them, but you're robbing them. We are robbing our children, and and the whole premise of conscious parenting is to give back, bequeath back to your children their right to their life experience, even if you don't like it, you don't agree with it, it's driving you crazy. You did not have children to control them and dominate them. You had children, really, the sacred purpose of having children, if there is one, it is just to allow them to manifest themselves the best way they can, which means you're constantly giving the baton of their inner governance back to them. But that takes self-discipline from the parent because our ego is so out of control. We snatch that baton, which is their right to their own existence and their own mood, their own feelings. So if their life experience happens to get them heartache, That's their life experience. Don't rob them of it. Of course, don't put it on them artificially. But if they they have a breakup with boyfriend number one, all the way to boyfriend number seven, that's their life experience. Allow them to go through that pain because that's something for them to learn. How can you decide what they need to learn in their life experience? They are temperamentally different. They are epigenetically different. They have their right to their experience, you know? Don't rob them of it. And we are constantly robbing our children of their and life. And not to mention, you're not going to be alive forever. So when are they going yeah. to have to deal with these issues on their own? And that's why I'm really scared for this generation. Because yes. the parents are still so deeply involved, uh, you know. And um, yeah. there's another great quote. Go, go ahead. There's another great quote up that I think relates to this that you said that I wanted you to expand on a little more. But please say what you're going to say, Dr. Shafali. It's our anxiety that robs our children of their anxiety because we never Mm. truly truly learn to handle our own imperfections and embrace our limitations because we are so mired in culture's dictates of perfectionism and happiness and success that because it's not integrated within us, we haven't resolved our own pain around that. That's why we rob our children of their pain around their imperfections, their limitations. You know, I have parents coming to me saying, oh, my my eighth grader doesn't like her nose. Do you think I should get her a nose job? And I go, uh, it's okay for her to not like her nose. I'll give you 10 things I don't like about my body right now. Doesn't mean I can go and machine gun fix it. I need to live with it. Now, sure, you can tweak it here and there, but not when you're in eighth grade. You need to have at least some period of your life where you learn to be okay with the not okayness, you know, because that builds a muscle that is invaluable. 
I'm writing this stuff down. Sorry. Learn to be okay with the not okayness. Our anxiety robs our kids of theirs. Um, here's another great one. Success does not bring joy. It just brings success. Yes. We've put so much value on the wrinkle-free, high-achievement bank money in the bank account, right? So much value on our real estate, on the number of cars in the driveway, Literally, we are missing the point. That's why, I mean, and I don't need to knock America down because I adore what it stands for. No, I'm for. right. I'm with you. I listen, I've been, I'm a big patriot. And since I've traveled the last few years, I'm like, we just lost our way. And I, I, see, way. I get it. I get the, yes, it's gone. Because, the consumerism, of, because of over materialism, because yes. of our yeah. focus on the external, we have lost our inner. Uh, you know, ch channel our inner GPS, our inner connection. And that's why this country is overly medicated and is leading the way, you know, in over medication and over technology, over materialism. This is the wrong way. We are going the wrong way. And conscious parenting, you know, and, and because it is deeply steeped in Eastern mysticism, um, it, it has principles of the joy to living that is missing in today's world. We are more miserable today than we ever were. Go figure, right? You have to stop and say, how is that possible? How is it that we are the most indulged that we've ever been? We have technology to fix everything and anxiety is on the rise. Not just anxiety, it is suicidality. How is yeah, it the, that- The suicide numbers are astronomical. It's one to 5% in the last 20 years would be an, a lot, but it's well- well beyond that and not slowing down. And it's funny, I was talking to a researcher yesterday, someone who's into scientific research, and um, he's recruiting the new classes of doctors to come join his team. And he said something that was really powerful. He said, you know, we're looking for young people who want to change the world, but not young people who are mad at the world. And the problem is, is most of them coming in are mad at the world. And then when you take a step back, you say, wait, you, you, you've had a $1,200 phone in your back pocket since you were 13. If you think of what you have here versus everywhere else, but yet you're mad, you're angry, you have anxiety. All of these things have led to this. Um, yeah. It's very it's troubling. Really it's us, you know, it's, it's, it's my generation of parents really. And then not to place blame, but to blame, but to place res responsibility and accountability. It, you know, I began writing about conscious parenting because I personally was horrified by my own parenting. I was horrified at myself. I had such expectations, and I'm just warning you because you've not yet ruined anyone's life. I had not such yet. a- Oh, forgive me, tell yeah. me. Yes, no, no. I'm going to do a great job. Good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to be phenomenal. <laughs> Listen, of all the parents who ruin the kids, I'm going to be right there. Trust. Yeah. So I was horror. I never thought I would be one of those. Right. Of course, because I was so arrogant. And within like two years, I had made so many mistakes, yelled at my two year old. And I knew this is madness. Mm -hmm. But it was because I was set up for it. I'm, I'm, I'm making the excuse that I was set up. And the set 
up was this parenting paradigm that said, you, the parent almighty, are in charge and you have complete control, unmitigated access. No one will supervise you. You don't even need a license. You just go ahead. You don't need any course in psychology. Go ahead and take this most valuable human being and fuck up their lives. And so I did. And and it was only when my daughter really pushed back on me because she was not, quote unquote, the ultimate good kid. She dared to have a voice and push back at me. She taught me how fucked up I was. And then I came to my knees and wrote, it came to me. I was like, wow, why doesn't anyone talk about this? Why doesn't anyone call parents on their gargantuan insatiable ego? So I took the challenge and I've received so much pushback, I cannot tell you. Have you? But tell me what, what would be, because when I read the book, I'm like, wait, this all makes, I told you in the pre-interview, this makes so much sense to me. Where where oh would the pushback goodness. be? Oh, my goodness. I have pushback every day. Uh, the conscious parenting should be on everybody's bedside. But it's not because Parents are not ready to see themselves in the mirror. And you are not yet a parent, so you can't even talk yet. When no. you become a parent, I want you to. No, I, I just know. deal with all your brats. But you've been on this journey, yeah? So you, are, you do this for a living. This is where yeah. you are steeped. But for the average parent, this is my fourth parenting book for a reason. I'm writing the how-to manual unconscious parenting now for a reason because even though I wrote three phenomenal books before it didn't help as much as this one is going to help and I remember Oprah saying you know but people need the how-to and this is the how-to map now because parents need step-by-step otherwise they will not do it and even now they may not do it you know why because the ego of the parent is too entrenched uh, culture has told the parent that you get to do whatever you want with your kid. It's your kid. And so to teach parents that they and need to. And therefore also your responsibility, right? And then their feelings are your responsibility. Their success is your responsibility. And then you, you've you you've mitigated that success, right? You've quant, you quantify whatever that success is compared to what, oh, it's, a, yeah, it's a spiral. And by the way, I will say that if I were a parent in my 20s or 30s, forget it. I would have been a mess. I'm so glad the universe had other plans for me. Because I would never, you know, I would never be able to do it. Yes. And, and I'm 50 now and I wish, I wish wishes were horses, beggars would ride, but I wish I could do it all over again. But I also am compassionate with myself because I could only do what my consciousness right. offered. And I teach parents, you have to be compassionate. This is not your fault. It's been coming down the generation for pike, you know, the, down the pike for generations. And it's not your fault. This is about ancestral healing. This is about generational pain. But can you please now disrupt the pattern? Can you be the one who changes the present moment of your entire family script? And that's that's the beauty that we get to disrupt the pattern when we wake up. And uh, it takes a lot of courage. But that's what my books teach parents how to do. Hey, Hill Squad, that wraps our part one with Dr. Shafali. Please be sure to stay tuned for part two, where we discuss what, Kelsey? really go into the ego and the ego that plays a role in parenting that kind of blew my mind kev um she really new breaks way, down new ways of parenting it? right i was gonna say new ways of parenting new ways and, of parenting and how i mean talking about just like what she believes is 
the way and like the conscious way to do it, which I just find fascinating. It makes me terrified to even have a child in 20 years. <laughs> I don't think that was the purpose, but yeah. you guys will have to check it out and let us know what you think. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends, and if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you, and Finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heal squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.